morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And as you know, the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us feeling, get us imagining, get us wanting to do a bit more because we made the connection. So today, our show Connections is producing this show in partnership with RISE. RISE is reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. And we have Asma Mohamed, Mohamed as our co-host. Welcome, Asma. And how are you doing today? Hi. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Now, I want to let our audience know that you're the advocacy director, and you lead trainings, and you speak on issues around intersectionality, sexual violence, Muslim women's voices, countering Islamophobia, and women's rights. Yes. So I do our civic engagement efforts, and I make sure that Muslim women have their voices amplified and help them to do that in the best way that works for them. Um, And usually that's through political change. And today we're going to be talking about sexual violence. And I saw on the website that you're doing some work on eliminating the statute of limitations for reports on sexual abuse. Yeah, so that's currently in the House. Um, we actually have another hearing on Monday for that bill, which is really exciting because two years ago we went to Representative Ilhan Omar and she took on that bill and authored it. And then this year, um, Representative Aisha Gomez took it on. So we're working to do that so then people who have experienced sexual violence have unlimited time to report their sexual assaults. They don't have to report within six or nine years with this arbitrary timeline, but they get to do it when they, when they heal. So some of the problem has been with um, preserved DNA evidence in the past and using mm-hmm. that as, as one of the reasons that you can only have X number of years and very often those kits are being destroyed. Is that not right? Yeah, so that's actually anyone who has a rape kit on file, they, as long as their kit doesn't get destroyed by the state, um, they have an unlimited statute of limitations. So they, they, they can report whenever they want as long as they do a rape kit. Um, but if that rape kit is destroyed, they should still have access to, you know, getting a case right. or um, getting, you know, getting more evidence. So we've been working on making sure that people can see justice even after these six or nine years. So tell me about what some of the challenges are for women who may have a difficult time reporting it between the three and nine years. Yeah, so um, for me, I mean, I I didn't report. Um, and it was because I, I wasn't ready. I didn't feel comfortable sharing my story. And a lot of the women that we connect with, that's it's the same, that we find that the community, or not even just the community, the public isn't willing to believe survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ends up making it really, really difficult for people to feel comfortable sharing their stories and even going to law enforcement, knowing that your family or, you know, people you care about don't believe you obviously is going to make you think that nobody else, you know, the law enforcement is going to believe you either. Um, so it takes people a long time and I've seen people take as long as 30 years to want to report because they're finally ready because that trauma has started to turn into action. Um, or a desire to see some justice. And people usually want to see justice, um, but it, it really just depends on every person. And I think the biggest thing that we want is that people have that choice. When people are assaulted, that choice is taken away from them. Um, and we want to give them as much power as we can in the situation. I want to get back to that believability because and, and that trauma combined. There's also a challenge in being an Islamic woman. Um, can you share what challenges that are part of that equation as well? Yeah, as a Muslim woman, um, I I mean, it's talking about anything around um, sexual violence is pretty taboo because it was conflated with talking about the act of sex, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult to even um, come forward and talk about it because people thought it was shameful to be discussing something that happens to our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And now um, we're trying to change that narrative and to turn it to one that says when you're talking about your body, it's yours. Um, it's given by God, and it's your right to be able to talk about it in a way that feels comfortable to you. And also, a harm has been done. Um, and in Islam, like justice is one of the biggest ideals. So if we talk about justice, then we should want it in all cases, and not just cases that are, you know, like make sense to us. Um, but in these specific situations, we want the community to understand that it's not easy to come forward. 
it's already not easy to come forward, but being a Muslim woman and mostly being women of color, it's even harder because um, usually you're assaulted by people who you know. So thinking, like, if it's someone you know, um, I mean, one in four women in America are assaulted um, or experience rape or sexual assault in their lifetimes, and that number is growing. Um, but if you consider the fact that in 70% of cases, it's someone that the person knows, then those are going to be people who will probably probably look like them or from the same communities. And it's hard to call that out and say, like, someone from my community has assaulted me or someone that you know and someone you love is a rapist mm. or someone that you know and you, you love is um, sexually harassing women. So it's it's really difficult for people to believe that people they love can also be awful, mm-hmm. um, which is understandable. But we need to, I mean, challenge ourselves to, to believe survivors more than anything. When you give these workshops, how do you structure the workshop to help create that sense of support and being able to open up and share each of your stories? Yeah, so our, we actually call them healing circles. So they're not really workshops. They're just um, sessions in which Muslim women can come in and um, share, the, share however much or however little they want. Um, and then we bring in some licensed therapists, counselors, to be there just on call if anyone feels like they need to, you know, get away for a second and talk or not. Um, and we make the we make the sessions really private. I think that's one thing. And we have a topic each time. So um, another one that someone came up with recently was talking about feeling like we are in our bodies and not dissociating from our bodies. So what that session will look like is talking about what that feeling is like, um, letting people share and hearing from the therapist or counselor, you know, what they see in the field, so then people feel validated. And then after that, because we're talking about bodies and feeling like we don't own our bodies anymore, um, doing yoga, which is a really cool way to end things, I think, and remind people that, like, our bodies are our own. So that's just one example of what a healing circle could look like. As you've been doing these healing circles, have you had some of your own aha moments that you feel comfortable in sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't think that um, people would be willing to bring their children. And um, I found that people, they did. And even like children who have been assaulted want to be a part of these conversations. And even if they haven't understood what's happened to them, their parents want to be a part of the conversation. And um, I think more than anything, people feeling safe has been an aha moment for me. When I started this, I was like, hopefully people feel comfortable, but really hearing the stories that are so hard to tell um, in this space that is just for Muslim women is both scary and beautiful and awful and incredible because we don't get spaces like that. And in this process, you're seeing some transformations happening and people feeling more empowered not only to talk within the circle but then to advance it further. Um, Tell me about some of that transformation. Yeah, so our first healing circle ever happened in 2017, and that one just stands out to me because it was the first and I had no idea what was going to happen. I was thinking maybe 10 women would come and it was – I don't, I didn't know what would happen really. And so I had invited speakers and people from the community to share, you know, what they had seen in the field. And, um, afterwards or during four Muslim women broke their silence. And we had uh, around 40 women come, but four Muslim women broke their silence. And out of those, um, two women shared that they wanted to pursue a case. And for me, that moment was, um, shocking because I hadn't expected anyone to break their silence. I had thought that maybe this will be a safe space. You know, hopefully people will feel comfortable. But to actually see that happen in front of me, to see people go, wow, there is someone who has also experienced this who looks like me, and then feeling empowered to do something about it was, um, I think, transformational for me. When someone is ready to make a case or do something, how do you support them in that process? Yeah, so um, I want to talk more at length with this because I have a guest named Ala Hassan here from Ramsey County um, from their Sexual Assault Prevention Services, and Ala has some great tips, and we'll get into those later. But just for me, first and foremost, what I wanted people to say was um, that they that they were there for me, and because... For me, I didn't think people would believe me, and people like looked at me and said, "Like, I'm so sorry that this happened to you." Um, that is validating. That's saying that's recognizing, yes, something awful happened to you, and I'm sorry that there is a system that you know lets this continue to happen. 
And so I think that's one thing. So if someone wants to pursue a case, just supporting them in whichever decision they make. Um, survivors should be able to take some of that power back that was taken from them. And um, it's it's hard when people in your own life don't believe you. Terrific. Now, we only have about a minute left before we need to go to our break. But I want folks to know that if they want to get involved with your group, the revivingsisterhood.org um, is the place to go. If you want to reach out and be an ally, a good way of doing that is making mention on the Facebook, either here at Connections Radio Show uh, Facebook or on the Reviving Sisterhood Rise on Facebook to show that your support is there for them in terms of an ally and your support for um, Islamic women um, is potentially uh, life-saving. Um, so with that, uh, Allah, uh, uh, I know that we're going to be having a guest, um, Asma, and and uh, her name again is Allah Hussan, who will be joining us Hassan. in the next. Yep. Yeah, and briefly, Lori, I just wanted to share the crisis line number for folks that are Perfect. listening if they ever Perfect. want to call in. Thank you. 612-871-5111. So that's a number you can call 24 hours a day, no judgment. Um, share your story if you'd like to, if you want to just talk to someone. Even if you know someone who's been assaulted and you want to know more, that's a great place to call. Give that number one more time. Yep, 612-871-5111. Thank you so much, Asma. And we'll be heading out to break now, but stay with us. And our next segment, we'll be introducing you to Ala Hassan. So we'll be right back. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey community, this is Sian Thomas from ABC Realty. We represent a diverse team of realtors here at ABC, and we're rooted in your community. We are the only brokerage with an intentional focus on the east side of St. Paul. We specialize in helping first-time homebuyers and people of color to find the home and the neighborhood of their dreams. We have agents who speak Spanish and Hmong, and to keep pace with the ever-changing demographics of the east side, we're adding agents who speak the languages of our communities. We're accessible and we're available for you. Face-to-face and over the phone, we'll help you each step of the way, whether you're buying or selling. We'll discuss the value of home ownership and how it can be leveraged to build your future. We are here for you, ready to put our experts to work for you. So learn more about us here at abcrealtytwincities.com. That's abcrealtytwincities.com. If you have a painting project, you should consider hiring Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. We've been awarded nationally for craftsmanship, are highly professional, responsive, and fairly priced. If you feel overwhelmed by starting a painting project, we make it easy from start to finish. We move furniture, vacuum, sweep, dust, and put your home back the way we found it. There is a difference. Our professionalism sets us apart. Visit N-I-C-K-S-L-A-V-I-K dot com. That's NickSlavic.com to learn more. 
Marjorie Prime, running April 19th to May 19th, is produced through a partnership of Prime Productions and Park Square Theater. Marjorie Prime explores family dynamics, aging, and memories assisted by artificial intelligence. Join me, Lori Fitz, host of Connections Radio Show, for a post-show talkback on April 28th's matinee show. Joined by Professor Maria Ginny, we'll explore what's in store in the future with our relationships to robotics and artificial intelligence. Get your tickets to the show by going to parksquaretheater.org. And welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And our show today is co-produced with the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, which is RISE. And I have Asma Mohammed as our co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you're here, too. And you have a guest that you've brought today. Would you like to introduce her? Yes. So Ala Hassan works for Ramsey County, and she works for their SOS division, which is basically sexual assault prevention services. Um, Ala is actually on a crisis. She is on call for a crisis line right now, so she has to leave us. Um, it's because she does incredible work. And let's give that number right at the top. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So the SOS number is 651 651- Two six six one thousand is free, confidential, twenty four seven. So, tell us about the work that you do. Yeah, so uh, SOS actually stands for Sexual Offenses Services, but we've been rebranded to Sexual Violence Services, um, and we are advocates who provide support to victim survivors of sexual violence and secondary victims. And what that means is their family, their friends. Anyone else who's been impacted um, along with the victim survivor. Um, we provide, you know, legal advocacy, medical advocacy. We provide information, support, um, and all of our purpose is to provide you with the options so you can make the best informed decision for yourself. Uh, when sexual violence happens, uh, your rights get taken away, your control gets taken away. So what we want to do is we want to put in place the choices you want in your life. So we support you with any decision, any choice that you want for yourself. Um, so anytime there's a sexual assault that happens and you go to a hospital in Ramsey County, uh, we, uh, along with the SANE nurses, the sexual assault nurse examiners, are also there with you at the hospital, providing you with support, with guidance, with as much information uh, as you need, uh, and just being there with you. Uh, and we know from, from research that when there's an advocate with you, that you're more likely to thrive, you're more likely to report if that's something you want, uh, and you're more likely to feel like it's not your fault. We were talking in the last segment about the work that you do, Asma, um, with legislation as well as the healing circles. And you gave us a little hint that the next step would be working with Allah. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about that process. What would you do in that healing circle that would open the next step up? Yeah, so um, I actually met Ella, what was it, a few months ago, and we didn't have any allies in Ramsey County that we knew we could count on. Now we have Ella, so we can connect with her. So anytime a Muslim woman comes to me that is a survivor from Ramsey County, I can just be like, okay, I trust Ella. I can send you here. Ella will take care of you. And that means the world to people to say that I have connections that people I trust also trust. Before, we were kind of sending people off into the wild. And not knowing what was the next step. Exactly. Yeah. And not knowing if those people were trustworthy, if they were actually using survivor-centered language, mm-hmm. if they were making people feel welcomed and supported in that Because they're process. already afraid when, exactly. when they come there. Yeah. So I met with Ella first just to, you know, vet her and find out if she's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you got the, the seal I, of approval. She did. Yeah, she really did. And Ella's uh-huh. just been supportive of what RISE does and the work we do. Um, but what that meant for us was to be able to say, look at Ramsey County and look what they're doing. There is no other county in the state that I can look at and say that about. Um, Ramsey County has been on the front lines, which is incredible. Um, County Prosecutor um, John Choi has also been so supportive of us. He actually spoke in, at our hearing for the bill that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Who else is doing that? Mm-hmm. You don't see that. Um, and Ella actually, we met and then you reached out to me. Mm-hmm. So we met because Ella was doing this work um, in the community as well. So we met and I was like, okay, why don't we know each other? <laughs> um, <laughs> and you actually, do now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and so I've used Ramsey County as an example to other counties that I work with. We're on a couple of sexual assault task forces, rises, and um, I've said, well, 
Ramsey County is doing really great work, and if you want any examples, then look to them. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Now, in preparing for the show today, you had some topics that you wanted to make sure got covered today. Why don't you share those with us? Yeah, so first things first I wanted to share is that um, we, like the work that we do, why we started this, um, I mean, because we wanted to be a survivor-centered approach. The other is that, like, talking about what ALA does and what prevention looks like, because that's what you're doing. Prevention looks very different from response and um I think that's an important thing to delineate. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just the kind of the work we're doing to help survivors move forward and how to also use language that will make them feel supported. Um, so we sometimes get confused on, how, like someone told me that they were assaulted. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And saying, like, how do, I, how do I make them feel supported? And I've had people say, Asma, was I supportive enough? And I'm like, yes. Um, but now there are more ways you can do that. And yes, that can and. look different. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, and it can look very different um, mm-hmm. depending on what you are willing to offer. So, well, why don't we move to the prevention? Yeah, topic. And why don't you share with us the work that you're doing with prevention? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, prevention is super important, and it's because we want to. We have a lot of efforts, a lot of um, energy directed towards responding when a sexual assault happens. Uh, and in order for us to reach the culture change that we want, we need to also kind of gravitate our, our efforts towards preventing sexual violence from happening. Uh, if we're constantly responding to it, we're not making the changes possible. It becomes the reaction. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so we want to shift it to where our children, our friends, our family no longer have to fear being sexually violated, sexually assaulted, sexually harassed um, because of that culture shift that we, we, we put our efforts into. Uh, so that's by us changing the social norms. Um, even in a circle of friends, we joke about rape. We joke about, you know, we sometimes we think it's funny. It's not funny. No. We need to hold each other accountable. We need to hold ourselves accountable. If we no longer hold ourselves accountable and the, the people closest to us, we're not part of the change. It's not funny. It's not a joke. It should never be a joke. Uh, so we need to put an end to it when we see it. If you see something, hear something, stop it. Um, changing the social norms, changing the myths that exist around it, um, and also talking to our legislators because we need to have policies in place strong policies in place to prevent sexual violence from happening. Um, but prevention is, 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 is really convoluted because you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cordelia, someone um, who I consider my mentor, said something very, very wise, which is prevention is silent. Uh, you don't see it. You don't hear it. But eventually you see the work that it's, that's being done because mm-hmm. of it. Um, but it looks like a collaboration of work. It looks like all of us coming together trying to address the root causes of sexual violence. Why is this happening? What are the root causes of it? And how can we strengthen the protective factors and decrease the risk factors that exist surrounding sexual violence? And in our next segment, mm-hmm. let's go into those more detail. Yeah, Because absolutely. I think so often we hear and we think it's about someone else. Yeah. And just because someone hasn't shared it, doesn't mean that it hasn't happened Absolutely. and that we know people that may be struggling. So understanding how to change our language mm-hmm. as well as how to be supportive I think is really important for our next segment. Yeah. Can you share the number one more time for Absolutely. folks? Yeah. The SOS number is 651-266-1000. And I also want to give uh, the Reviving Sisterhoods uh, website. That's revivingsisterhood.org. You can also learn about them on Connections Radio mn.com and check out the community partners and you'll you'll see about them there too so we'll be right back uh, after a couple commercials that support our show and then we'll learn more about how do we talk about it it's the age of artificial intelligence 85 year old marjorie a jumble of disparate fading memories has a handsome new companion me a hologram who's been programmed to feed her the story of her life back to her if given the chance what would you remember What would you forget? Jordan Harrison's new play explores the mysteries of human identity and what technology offers. Prime Productions presents the play Marjorie Prime at St. Paul's Park Square Theater. Performances run April 19th to May 19th. For tickets, visit parksquaretheater.org. 
Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our secret animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake Art lovers, it's time to celebrate, learn about, and collect local art at the St. Paul Art Crawl, running April 26th to 28th. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you will have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for your own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community, too, with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at stpaulartcrawl.org. That's stpaulartcrawl.org. In 1977, NASA launched the Voyager spacecrafts, satellites sent from Earth to study the farthest reaches of outer space. Aboard these Voyagers were the golden records, time capsules filled with images, sounds, and music that tell the story of our world. Astronomer Carl Sagan said, The launching of these records into the cosmic ocean says something very hopeful about life on this planet. But can we still find that hope? If you could send a message out to the universe today, what would you say? This April, join Sandbox Theater for the Golden Record Project, an intimate event 42 years in the making. The Golden Record Project is a search for connection, a hopeful call to other worlds, and a declaration that we are here. The Golden Record Project, April 12th through May 4th at the Sandbox. Tickets and information at sandboxtheateronline.com. The Golden Record Project. What would you share? With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today we got a chance of rain with a high near 45. Tonight is mostly cloudy with a low around 32. Tomorrow, cloudy with a high near 49. Monday, mostly cloudy with a high near 53. And Tuesday, partly sunny with a high near 53. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Nightingale. They offer something for everyone's taste buds, from seafood to unbelievable vegetarian options. Come visit them at 2551 Lindale Avenue South in Minneapolis. More details at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm glad you made the connection with us today. Talking about a very serious topic and ways to think about it in new ways and support each other. Uh, support our sisterhood. And our partnership is with RISE, which is the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. Um, and Asma Mohammed is my co-host today. Welcome, Asma. Hey, guys. <laughs> and Asma, you do advocacy work. Um, and one of the things that I think is so important as we're, we're looking at this is your current bill that you're working on to, to help make a difference. And what's so important, I believe, is that you know you need to make sure that everyone is involved mm-hmm, on all levels of of our politics yes. and our community to help make a difference. So, mm-hmm. why don't you just give a quick recap of the bill that you're working yes. on, and then we can go um, and share more about how do we how do we look at this not only as a reaction but as a prevention. Absolutely. So we started this bill. So my friend Sarah Super is a survivor of a brutal rape. And um, she and I got to talking and our stories are very different, but we and we come from very different communities. She's a white woman who is from Minneapolis and I've grown up near in or near Minneapolis my entire life. My story is very different. Um, and she broke her silence right away. The Star Tribune was covering a story about her and, she, and they didn't mention her name. She called to say, you're talking about me. And I thought that was so powerful mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, like, nope, it's it's my story. And I'll claim it. Yes, and I will claim it. So um, we got to talking about what it meant to not be able to report because, I mean, the time had passed for me, for many of the people that I know, men and women, both who have been through these awful uh, abuses as children or as adults and don't have a path 
to some kind of legal justice. And um, we wanted that for them, so we began working on a bill that would eliminate the statute of limitations that is currently the limit is between six and nine years, depending on the nature of the assault. Um, and we're, we're, cha- we're hoping to change that and eliminate it so that nobody has to think, wow, I only have like two more years left or I only have three more years left. I can report whenever I'm ready. So they can go through the healing process. Yes. So they can go through the healing process and then report whatever it makes sense to them and have that choice, which is really important for survivors. And we have a guest that you brought. You want to make an introduction? Yes. So Ala Hassan, um, it works for Ramsey County's sexual um, assault services and or sexual offense services. And Ala works in prevention, which is why we want to talk a little bit more about what prevention looks like. Um, Ala got involved in this work in the past few years, correct? Yeah, so um, it's been it's been a couple of years um, with SOS. It's just been a few months. Uh-huh. Uh, it feels like a lifetime, as any work in sexual violence does. Um, we're committed for a lifetime. Uh, but I, I started a few years ago, um, but in SOS since September. Um, and what brought you to this work initially? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I started doing this work before it was work. Um, and it all starts, you know, in, in the Muslim community, in the Sudanese community, sexual violence, sexual assault happens. And we never have the luxury of talking about it openly and freely. But what we do is we have little circles, circles of tea, uh, shy circles, or, you know, just small get-togethers where people discuss things like this. Um, and my frustration grew when... The response to someone disclosing that they were sexually assaulted was met with blaming. Mm. Why were you there? Mm-hmm. What were you wearing? Were you not wearing your hijab? Were you not wearing it as tightly as you should have? Were you not wearing a long enough skirt? Was it not dragging on the floor? Mm-hmm. Why were you there alone? Um, and, you know, the, the people disclosing were saying that they were blaming themselves taking every single blame away from the perpetrator, absolutely Mm -hmm. zero blame put on the perpetrator. Um, And all of it was on the victim survivor. And so... And part of that is being a woman, that we want to be responsible, we want to fix, we Mm -hmm. want to believe that we can make something different. Mm -hmm. Um, And being able to let go of feeling responsible to this was wrong is is a a bridge to to cross. Absolutely. And to be able to be comfortable to say... um, no, I didn't deserve this to happen. Yes. And yes. no, um, I will not take responsibility for something that was done to me. Absolutely. And it's considered a compliment that you were um, attractive. attractive enough to be raped mm-hmm. uh, when it has nothing to do with attraction. It's simply power and control, period. Mm-hmm. There's nothing sexual about it. It's simply power and control. And when we live in societies that are controlled by men mm-hmm. um, who make the decisions and who are the leaders who are sexually assaulting us, mm-hmm. what voice does a woman have except in these small circles? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in these small circles, when I saw blame being imposed on women and shaming and ostracizing, mm-hmm. um, that frustration grew into, well, we're talking about it. We acknowledge it's a problem, but why aren't we responding to it the way we should? And there's fear. Absolutely. I, I think that for some women, if 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 they have not had any degree mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of having an abuse, mm-hmm. it's it's got to be their fault because yeah. it can't just be random. Of course. Because then I am at risk. Absolutely. And that takes a lot to to get through as well and say it's it's not, you know, nice this doesn't happen to nice girls. Yeah. Well, yeah it does. Yeah. It it happens because of power and control. Absolutely. And we're all at risk as yeah. being a woman. Absolutely. And who are these men who are raping us? It's our mm-hmm. husbands, our fathers, our brothers. They're rarely strangers. They're mm-hmm. rarely rarely strangers as Asma said. Mm-hmm. Um so it's people who we know and trust. So mm-hmm. then that fear is is absolutely existent. Mm-hmm. Um, what then can we do when it's right. people that we know and know us in the small known community? Um, so that's where my work propelled. And I was in Sudan and I worked with a lot of Sudanese women um, and children. Um, and I, I created a, a framework for the schools. And then I took this work back to the U.S. where I live uh, and uh, as time went on, you know, I worked in the women's shelter in Rochester and um now I'm here in Ramsey County. Uh, and Ramsey County, I just want to mention, is is a start by believing, believing county. And what that means is that um, any time a victim survivor discloses that they've been sexually assaulted, their resp- the response is, I believe you. 
Uh, and that is so important mm-hmm. because the first person that you disclose to um, kind of creates that wave to how else will you disclose or mm-hmm. who else will you disclose to. Uh, so if we're met with, I believe you, uh, I support you, it's not your fault, um, that's, that's, that's making the change that we need. That's the first step on the bridge. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about prevention in the last segment um, of getting allies and uh, support. Uh, we also started to talk about statistics. So uh, can you share with me statistics? Is it about one in three women? Yeah, yes. Uh, I I have a love-hate relationship with statistics yes. because they're never accurate. Right. They're never accurate, especially uh, as a Muslim. Self-reporting. Absolutely, yeah. especially as a Muslim woman, knowing in our community that this happens at s- – Rates so enormous, so out of this world, uh, they can't even be um, taking into a number. Um, you know, one in three is the number that is kind of widely known of, um, but I'm, I'm privy to say it's more likely one in two. Um, but it does depend on the community where mm-hmm. you come from. It does depend mm-hmm. on the location, the community. Some communities have higher rates. Some communities have lower rates. But overall, it's about one in three. Um, and people are, who have not um, discussed this or because it has become a secret, sometimes they're surprised by that. Absolutely. You know, you know, if there's three of us in this room, you know, one of us one at of least us. by statistics has had uh, a sexual assault. Yeah. And it's so problematic because we're so likely to believe that one in three of us may get cancer, for example, or right. one in three of us may get a cold. One in three of us may have our home robbed or anything, right. but it's so difficult to believe that one in three of us may be sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's outrageous, and when we acknowledge that it happens, accountability needs to take place afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are ways that you're working to help um, make the language shifts, to help folks not only feel comfortable, but then to address when the language is assaulting. Yeah, language is super important. And I, you know, language transcends everything. And it goes into us being inclusive in our conversations. Um, This isn't a crime that just happens to white women who are 18 years, 18 to 25 years old. This happens to Muslims. This happens to, um, you know, uh, non-binary people. It happens to men, children, elderly. It happens to anyone and everyone. Um, And so that language needs to shift into being inclusive. And when it does, we can truly recognize that because it includes everyone, we need to make the change for everyone. And that includes all of our efforts collectively into making that change happen. Uh, but we need to shy away from, you know, uh, not saying sexual violence, mm-hmm. not saying rape, mm-hmm. not saying sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Muslim woman, especially in a small community, um, you're told to not speak so loudly, not to say rape, not to say sexual violence, not to admit that this is happening, to talk about other things. Um, but when we... And to uh, bear it on your own. Absolutely. Um, when we become comfortable enough to talk about it, um, we are normalizing the conversation. And when we're normalizing the conversation, we're no longer shaming people that it happens to because we understand that it exists. It's happening. Um, and here we are talking about it. Asma, you said that you get uh, quite a few calls mm-hmm. and they can break your heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I wasn't ready for that to happen. But um, in December, I shared, a, I shared a blog post through Rise about um, being assaulted by someone in the community like, publicly mm-hmm. and um, nothing happening. And after that, five women reached out to me to say the same man had assaulted them. I had never even mentioned his name, but um, but they knew they knew because um, there was this culture of silence around what happened. And I remember even when what happened to me happened, I was made to feel like I needed to keep it quiet, and I didn't want to ruin his reputation, um, didn't want to hurt his family, and it was very much about him, 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 and nothing about the pain and the fear that was instilled in me at age twelve, mm. right? Um, and to learn that there were more and that I didn't know about them and that had I known that there could be more, I would have spoken up, right? That a lot of this happens because silence exists. So one thing I think Ada is, and I, and I will also talk about is like, we need to end that culture of silence. Silence breeds violence. And if we are talking so much about it, then I think those people that are perpetrators that are, you know, assaulting are going to be so terrified to do it because they'll know that people are going to talk. 
is not going to be. No, we're not going to just like yeah. shove it under the rug. We're going to, we're going to deal with it and you will be held accountable. We will talk about it. We're talking about you in these rooms and you should be terrified. Like that's my goal that people mm-hmm. are terrified and too scared to actually mm-hmm. commit these acts of violence. Because you've created a sisterhood yes. that will not allow this to happen. Because we've created right. such a safe space. Exactly. So tell me, uh, we, we have about one minute to go. Um, What's the most important thing to you in correcting the culture of silence? What 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 is that you would most like to see happen? Um, the folks that come to me, I would love for them to feel empowered enough to break their silence publicly. Mm-hmm. When I did it, I was shamed and I was blamed and I was told it was my fault and I probably wasn't wearing hijab. Of course, I was. That I probably wasn't wearing a baya. I was. Um, I was I was doing all the right things, and people still said, like, you shouldn't have been here. You shouldn't have been friends with this person. Um, so I want people to understand that it's never your fault and to understand that that also means that you can talk about it, that all the people that are coming to me privately, like, I want them to feel like they can publicly share what has happened to them and be supported. So that part to me is part of the culture and then calling those perpetrators out. And the first step, giving you a call? Yes, at 651-266-1000. And we'll be back. We have more to talk about. Um, This is important for everyone. Uh, It's important to support each other. And it's important if you've had uh, a sexual assault, a rape, if there's been violence against you, we're here for you. And we want you to make that phone call. And we'll be right back after some commercials. Thanks so much for being with us and stay connected. Marjorie Prime, running April 19th to May 19th, is produced through a partnership of Prime Productions and Park Square Theatre. Marjorie Prime explores family dynamics, aging, and memories assisted by artificial intelligence. Join me, Lori Fitz, host of Connections Radio Show, for a post-show talkback on April 28th's matinee show. Joined by Professor Maria Ginny, we'll explore what's in store in the future with our relationships to robotics and artificial intelligence. Get your tickets to the show by going to parksquaretheater.org. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the Eastside's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Join us next week as we explore the many aspects of vibrational or energy medicine. You may be surprised by what is considered energy medicine and how hospitals use them everywhere. You'll learn more about some you've never heard about. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. It's the age of artificial intelligence. 85-year-old Marjorie, a jumble of disparate, fading memories, has a handsome new companion, me, a hologram who's been programmed to feed her the story of her life back to her. If given the chance, what would you remember? What would you forget? Jordan Harrison's new play explores the mysteries of human identity and what technology offers. Prime Productions presents the play Marjorie Prime at St. Paul's Park Square Theater. Performances run April 19th to May 19th. For tickets, visit parksquaretheater.org. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Hey community, this is Sian Thomas from ABC Realty. We represent a diverse team of realtors here at ABC, and we're rooted in your community. We are the only brokerage with an intentional focus on the east side of St. Paul. We specialize in helping first-time homebuyers and people of color to find the home and the neighborhood of their dreams. We have agents who speak Spanish and Hmong. And to keep pace with the ever-changing demographics of the east side, we're adding agents who speak the languages of our communities. We're accessible and we're available for you. Face-to-face and over the phone, we'll help you each step of the way, whether you're buying or selling. 
We'll discuss the value of home ownership and how it can be leveraged to build your future. We are here for you, ready to put our experts to work for you. So learn more about us here at abcrealtytwincities.com. That's abcrealtytwincities.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lauren Fitz, your host. And on our show, we explore our connections. And I love having our show being done in partnership with the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment Rise. And Asma Mohammed is our co-host today. Welcome, Asma. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're doing such wonderful work. And uh, in particular, we've been talking about sexual abuse. We've been talking about rape. We've been talking about assault and being able to normalize the conversation about that. Um, one thing that we were talking about in break that really hit me is, you know, we, we rely on statistics and that love-hate relationship with statistics. Um, but statistics can sort of sterilize it all uh, and make it a number. And we're not a number. No. We are, statistic. we are real people, right? Mm-hmm. So we hear this one in four or one in three and then we look in the room and we were just looking in this room. If the statistics are one in three, then one of us probably has is a survivor of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. I'll raise my hand right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know, we know that it could be more and right. that we have not created a culture in which people can share. Um, and the other thing is that statistics – aren't always accurate and when we just rely on them we're just thinking like these are these are numbers it's 33% or it's 70% but we're not thinking it's asma mm-hmm. right it's this person that's come to her it's this person it's a mother it's my sister um it's my friend and when we do that i think we kind of um take away from our own personal stories right and when we have individuals coming to us we may not know what to say or do Um, the default has always been to blame Mm -hmm. and in changing that language and changing it from what did you do how did that happen to you why didn't you do blah 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 whatever that is Um, I loved your approach of um, how Ramsey County the first thing that you say is we believe you Mm -hmm. this shouldn't have happened to you absolutely help us understand what are the what are the ways that we can be most supportive so that individuals may feel more comfortable uh, to say it out loud? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, with Ramsey County being a start by believing county, um, we we want to instill that, you know, anytime someone discloses to you that they've been sexually assaulted, sexually violated, uh, start out by simply saying, I believe you. You know, I support you. It's not your fault. Um and I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. Uh, and not to be afraid of the tears that may come. Absolutely not. And you can't fix everything. And you are not responsible for fixing anyone, nor are you responsible for helping them make a decision. Right. Uh, when sexual violence happens, your power and your control gets taken away. So we need to kind of replace that with empowering you with making the choices that you want for yourself. You may not want to report to the police. You may not want to tell anyone else. You may not want to do anything else, but simply tell someone that you trust. Um, and for a lot of people, that's more than enough. Uh, but we need to support each other in allowing each other to make the best decisions for ourselves. Um, so I would just, you know, my, my advice would be saying, I believe you. I support you. I'm here for you. Uh, and here's the number that you can call if you want mm-hmm. and leaving it at that. Um, I discourage anyone from calling someone on their behalf right. or telling someone on their behalf um, because, again, that's taking the right, the control, and the power away from the victim-survivor. Your goal, it feels like, is in the healing process and not necessarily um, taking it to the next level of like justice. Like an end result. Like right. we don't necessarily need an end result. So I remember one of my friends um, read my story mm-hmm. and she said, I remember when you told me and I don't remember what I said. Was what I said good enough? And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, you were you were there for me. Like mm-hmm. you, you held me when I, I wanted to talk about it. And the fact that I felt comfortable enough telling you was, was a lot. Um, but there have been situations where people haven't said the right thing. I had someone ask me if it was, if I was wearing um, dark lipstick that day <laughs> and if that was why. Um, and, and then taking away the power and control of you being able to express yeah. who you are the yeah. way you want exactly. to express yourself. And it, it broke my heart. I thought mm-hmm. that they were like my ally, my friend, and it really hurt me. Um, and I think one thing that I like to say to people is like, I'm, I'm really so- like, I'm sorry. 
mm-hmm. that, that shouldn't have happened to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that, that, that your right was taken from you. Um, because that also like says like, I believe you without saying, I believe you. Like mm-hmm. I recognize that this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I for, see you. I love you. Yeah. I want to be with you. Yes, exactly. And I'm sorry that you have felt this pain. Yeah. So when people come to you and you barely know them, for example, which mm-hmm. happens to me a lot, um, people in the community will just say like, I'm, this happened to me. Um, I heard your story and this happened to me. And I, I, the first thing I say is I'm really sorry that we have this in common. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I wish that we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I hope that like, I'm waking a better world for us. I hope that you like feel like mm-hmm. you can talk to people that you love about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hard to give survivors advice, right? Right. Because you don't want them to feel like you're imposing on them. And for me, when people are like, go to therapy, Asma, and I was like, leave me alone. Right. <laughs> I don't want to go. Right. <laughs> um, so letting people make their own choices and being like, you know, I'm here for whatever decision you make, whatever the next step is mm-hmm. for you. If there is no next step, that's okay too. I can hang out with you or I can leave you the heck alone. And for me, it's about what is it in that moment that's the connection to help them feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you don't need to say anything. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we may not know what to say, but sitting there in silence is sometimes enough. So even being able to admit your vulnerability of like, I don't know what to say, but may I sit with you? Exactly. And and ask permission, again, doesn't Mm -hmm. take away – it then creates um, an empowerment exactly. versus a power and control. Yeah. And as you're saying that, Lori, I'm remembering that like we don't oftentimes ask like, hey, can I give you a hug? Yes. That's important. And that's part mm-hmm. of prevention. Asking permission always for consent, no mm-hmm. matter what the action is. I have a five-year-old and the other day <laughs> she, um, I, was, I was putting her to sleep stroking her hair and she was like, okay, can you stop touching me now? And uh-huh. I said, yeah. Of course. And I said, thank you for telling me. She's like, you're welcome. (laughs) And that's like, that's what I want. I want people to be like, to feel comfortable, you know, saying these things. Because as women, Mm -hmm. we're told we we can't say when we're uncomfortable. And also respecting those boundaries. And even if we're not told that we're not supposed to say these things, Mm -hmm. I think there's an extra part of our nurturing quality that doesn't want to offend. Yes. Um, because we want to make others feel comfortable, mm-hmm. even when we're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, well... Like, I will suffer for you, yeah. and that's just right. what we're supposed to do, but mm-hmm. no, thank you. Absolutely, right. especially in Minnesota, Minnesota nice. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be nice and not supposed to be rude or say anything like that. Yeah. Well, our time has gone way too quickly, Yeah. but I appreciate both of you and the work that you're doing to help make a difference, uh, to be able to have the conversation in a personal and powerful and connected way, and to stand up in our government and advocate for new laws so that the next uh, generation, uh, as we continue to co- support better communication, can have a different world where this is not acceptable. Yeah. And thank you. Can we get that number one more time, though? Yeah, Yeah. Ramsey County, SOS, 651-266-1000. Also, please go to uh, revivingsisterhood.com. Dot org. Dot org. (laughs) Thank you. And check us out also on uh, connectionsradiomn.com. Thanks for being with us today, and thanks for making a difference, and thanks for wanting to be connected. (laughs) 